Nation, authors, coaches, speakers. Three, two, one. Amplify your mission. Access training. AYMission.com. And here is your host. He's a best selling author, TEDx speaker, and was even named one of the top 10 dads in podcasting by Podcast Magazine. Please help me welcome to the stage, Adam Lewis Walker. Right, this week we have returning guests. This is a very exclusive club. We have, I was going to say the new alpha male, but I think we have a, a new alpha, definitely a new alpha male. We have Lance Allred. He's a former NBA player, best-selling author, top professional speaker. And we've been, we're going to be talking today about how to win the game when the rules are changing for the new alpha male, how to adapt, how to cope. We're going to be touching a little bit of Kobe and that whole situation. I'm really excited to catch up with Lance again. Lance, I know you're always ready, but are you ready to amplify your mission today? Let's do it, my man. It's good to see you, Adam. It's been, what, two years since we last Two, maybe three, yeah. Time was, was flying. I, I, oh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was. 2017. Yeah, I think it was 2017. Yeah, it was. Absolutely yeah. flown. So, uh, oh, yeah, so up. I should have mentioned that. I know it's not 2018 because um, you were also, I should have said, one of your highest accolades. You were also featured in my book, Awaken Your yes. Alpha. That was 2018, wasn't it? And that yeah, came out in 2018, was. so the interview must mm-hmm. have been at least 2017. You did, a, you did a great job. I love it how you implemented my story and my message uh, in the book, and you did it tastefully, and you did, a, you did a really good job. What I liked about it, again, a lot of people use the, um, what's his name, Napoleon Hill model yes. to find some pretty broad logic leaps to, com- to make a point that like, oh yeah, this successful person did this, this successful did this, and here's how you make all this money or whatever. Um, but you use the Napoleon Hill model very tastefully to help men have conversations about, hey, yeah, all right, here are other guys who have done remarkable things, but it's not about trying to keep some old metric alive. It's, you know what? No, there are more authentic ways to live in this world. And so using those experiences, you use more human experiences uh, to drive your point home. And I love that. It wasn't, it wasn't um, uh, all this fact and data and research stuff. And that's where I responded because too many people try to use stats to drive a point home. And I always am skeptical, like the one where people say, oh yeah, 70% of millionaires make their bed in the morning. I'm like, I'm calling bullshit on that <laughs> because couple of things, a lot of people who are quote unquote financially wealthy and successful. Yes. Hard work is a huge part of it, but also you have to have a break go your way whether someone opens the door or whatnot, it's luck and timing as a part of it too. But a lot of these people are so insecure in their new, in this new new position or their old alpha status that, oh, I want people to respect me and see me as an alpha man. So I want them to believe that I got here on my own pure merit, that I'm so brilliant, that it's been pretty sinister how marketing and messaging has convinced a lot of people and the integration of Southern California new age materialism that, oh, if you're wealthy, that automatically means that you're emotionally intelligent. 
that you're a guru. No, <laughs> that we have mistaken that, oh, you're financially successful. That must mean you're enlightened. It's been pretty sinister watching it. It's not true. And we have stats like 70% make their bed in the mornings to confirm that narrative in little subtle ways. When what I know, myself, myself with my hearing loss being an astute observer of human uh, tendencies, human behavior, that you just know a lot of these guys, they show up to these interviews with a lot of insecurity thinking, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta make sure they believe I'm here because I'm so wise and intelligent. Mm -hmm. They're sitting there and they get asked a question, so do you make your bed in the morning? Uh, uh, yeah, I do, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> Why would else would they be asking that question? So I gotta say yes to make it look like my success wasn't a fluke. Yeah. So I challenge a lot of those books coming back to yours. I challenge a lot of the books that use Napoleon Hill model metrics models with metrics to support um, uh, money as a status as, as a, a alpha position. And I think a lot of people BS those those questionnaires. And so I like how you use, you focus more on the human experiences. So it was very tastefully well done, Adam. Cheers, that's awesome. So firstly, what, what have you been up to in the last three years? Can you give us a kind of a oh, summary? The last three years, you know, slowly but surely have been a lot of me continuing to push uh, my name through the speaking circuit, uh, offering a different type of speaking message, not just your rah-rah, chase the American dream, you'll be happy. It's very much more of a grounding, as you saw with my TEDx talk. I'm much more of a grounding speaker that I get people to be brave enough to be alpha, new alpha, and set their own standards of success. And what is the greatest standard than peace and clarity? Knowing you don't have to play that game. So that's still very much what I've been doing, but uh, my new book, The New Alpha Male, as I've been going on the speaking circuit, you know, I was getting tired of people, corporations buying other people's books to give to their employees while I was going on the stage. I'm like, you know what, I need to transition out of the memoir style and develop an actual self-development book mm -hmm. while still allowing my, my creative flow to be prevalent in my writing. Um, so that when I go and I speak, that I have a more of an offering and a long-term systemic impact and a tangible gift with the book. And so that book's been two years, uh, the process. When your book came out, your book was released shortly after I had signed my deal with Sounds True Publishers, uh, who works with Macmillan. Um, that was the premise, but it was a two-year work in progress. And I, I'm very proud of the book. And um, it was high time that I bring more written content to what I'm doing on the speaking circuit now. And so uh, I'm very proud of that book. It's probably my favorite thing I've ever written. I'm interested to, you know, you settled on the new alpha male and in terms of your messages and because coming from a, a book like Awaken Your Alpha as well. And obviously yeah. you're, from my knowledge, your audience is, you know, is quite mixed, you know, in terms of male, female, and some of the yeah. places that you speak at. So w was that the first book title? What were your thoughts? And obviously, because you don't want to, you know, have, yeah. or at least have event planners being like, hey, we've got like 70% women in the audience. We're not giving them a book called The New Alpha Male and stuff like that. Because I question. have that kind of thing with Awaken Your Alpha. 
a little bit. Very good question. So I'm, uh, I'm interested in that. It's a very good question about the title and maybe it being misinterpreted or limiting of my overall message and reach. Um, it was a very strategic request by the publisher oh. with most of them women working there saying, actually, we want to have this discussion. We wanted to activate or trigger people and to bring up opportunities for them to do some healing and some work and to do some um, readjusting of thought patterns and concepts of what it means to be alpha. And so I tell people the book is for men and women, not only individually for men to reassess, but also to help women who are coming into workspaces. They're coming into a lot of new uncharted territory for women, uh, as far as what does it mean to be a leader in the C-suite? Um, how do they adjust? How do they make it work? And a lot of women are trying to mimic these outdated modalities. And that's why they're getting called bitches and whatnot, because they're trying to go after these old standards of leadership that, frankly, we as men have been sitting here for a long time saying, yeah, this doesn't inspire me. This is, this is we, the, that's, that's, anyone can puff their chest. You know that. That's not hard to do but can you have authentic, compassionate communication with people? That's, that's the real litmus that people should be going for. And also for women, it's a resource for them to get some better insight into the challenges men are actually facing in this new world that's asking us to adapt and adjust as men and be more authentic. Women are sitting around saying, well, why, man, why can't my man just do this? Why can't he do that? Why, well, all this list of things that women want men to do without really showing some compassion and putting themselves in the shoes of a man who grew up in the 80s and 90s in the end of the Cold War era and try to understand, well, okay, those are some pretty hardwired uh, mechanics that he's still operating from that are very fear-based that we grew up in a lot of conditional love, a lot of conditional aspects in our culture that said we have to do this and do this and this to just even have a good job and provide. And if I can't provide, then obviously I'm not an alpha man because we see women will choose the best man. They're still choosing stability and comfort over possible intimacy. And that's where a lot of men are really getting confused. and. For women, this book is a resource to help them understand that. And to finally, for both sides, to start to begin to have real, authentic, compassionate communication. And just because women are known or more likely to express their emotions does not necessarily give them the monopoly on communication. And that has been misconstrued for too long that, oh, men are poor communicators. No worse than women. What's the subtitle? The new alpha male, how to win the game when the rules are changing. I like it. It's pure heart-based. It's showing how we as men have cut our heads off from our bodies. That we have become so head-centered, thinking we can logic our way through pain, through frustration, 
but I have the luxury of being able to use my sports background um, to show that the path of the heart is how you navigate this world. And what does that mean? How does it, what does it mean to be heart-centered? It means to have a balance of masculine and feminine in your life. And a lot of men recoil, feminine, oh my gosh, am I taking Sarah McLaughlin music baths and bubble baths? No. What it means is, for example, on the basketball court, your favorite athlete is both masculine and feminine. Masculine is shooting the ball. Feminine is passing the ball. If you are always shooting the ball in hyper-masculine, you're going to get benched in the game, but also in life. Yeah, if I don't like to play with that guy. I've played exactly. with that guy. <laughs> I don't like to play with that guy. If you like to pass the ball, only pass the ball to you, and you're only passing the ball, you're going to get benched. Because that's sometimes you have to take the shot. If you pass it the shot, that's just as good as a turnover. And so you have to shoot the ball sometimes. You can't always be passive and feminine. You have to be both. Being able to flow masculine and feminine at the same time, being able to attack and make the move when you need, being able to step back and allow and surrender and allow what is and what will be to be, knowing you did the best you could and finally surrendering it. There's two different, there's a difference between acceptance and surrender. Acceptance is me saying, okay, I missed my first five shots. I have to let it go and accept what is, because if I'm licking the past and beating myself up over the head with it, I'm no longer in the present and I will not take the best shot and I'm not being a good teammate. I have to be present, I have to accept what it is and that will allow me to be a, make better plays and hopefully we can win the game. Acceptance is allowing what is with a strategic intention to help you get the better outcome. Surrender is allowing what is and knowing what will be to be what it will be, regardless of the outcome, without trying to control it. Um, and there's the similar paths, but surrender is just a little bit further. A lot of people, especially in the new age movement, uh, like to say, okay, yeah, I'm just surrendering, I'm flowing. Okay, God, look at me, I'm being a good kid, now give me what I really want. You can't twist creation's arm like that, like a lot of people try to do with the whole notion of acceptance. And surrender. Surrender is again um, saying, I've done everything I can and I surrender it and I let it go to what it will be. And so being able to use sports metaphors, Adam. Yeah, I was going to say, I love the way you've sort of the simple way you've laid out your book with pregame, game time, halftime winning. I love that. Yes. Um, and being able to speak of that and very scary topics for men, frankly begin to become more heart-based, more intuition-based. It's not, it's not hooey, it's not hogwash, but again, it's what we athletes have to do in the moment. And that's what we're doing. We're trusting our bodies. The greats, when we're in the zone, when they call it the zone, all that is is that means that feeling is that your head is completely out of the way. Yeah. When that you just your meant, body... Yeah. I was just going to say, when you just mentioned the greats there, obviously you've been a former NBA player and, uh, you know, recent events that have happened. I know you played alongside LeBron actually on his team. Um, I just wanted to get your take and we can obviously move on your thoughts. And, and did you ever play with Kobe Bryant? 
I know generally basketball fans it. and players were, you know, yeah. I was gutted, but so I don't know. No, it, it was, it, it was, I was gutted. That was hard. Um, I, I, I played against Kobe. I mean, I never really actually guarded him. No, mm. but he was just two years older than me. And so we grew up in the same generation. And I didn't always agree with Kobe's basketball theology, mm. how he played. But what I agreed with and loved is that he played his ass off every night. That guy had no quit in him whatsoever. Um, and he was so intelligent, which is why it made it frustrating when he was still, you knew he had a conscience and he took horrible shots that he knew were not good shots. But he says, you know what? I'm going to shoot it anyway because I'm Kobe. <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, that's not a good shot. But he played hard every single night. And he never took nights off. He never took rest load games because he knew people paid hard money to be there. And he respected the game too much to do that. It's, and he was polarizing. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah. He was polarizing. Here's another reason why he was polarizing. I actually got a lot of the same judgment. When Kobe showed up to practice and to work, he was really intense. But when work was over, he had his other coping skills, his other interests. He compartmentalized it. He went home and painted. He made music. He made movies. Yeah. I was very much the same way. When practice was over, I'm going to go home and write or do something. I don't need to go home and play NBA Live. I just got done playing basketball. Why do I need to play NBA Live? I don't need to go spend my time at the club. I mean, I got practice tomorrow. I need to sleep. And so a lot of players felt I was arrogant and condescending. Mm. Because, I know Kobe got a lot, exactly like that. Exactly. And now we, it's easy to think of Kobe and think, you know, you just put him on his pedestal and, you know, legend immortalized ultimately. And uh, I remember you know, at the time, 96 the time. and around then when he burst on the scene, yeah, people mm -hmm. hated him. <laughs> people a loved lot of him, people obviously. still did. Even, yeah. even in his prime, he was polarizing. Yeah. People loved him or they hated him. And again, a lot of it comes, Damian Lillard gets a lot of, some of that same thing too from current players. Yeah. Because he's a guy, he shows up and he's a killer. But outside of basketball, he makes music. He does other creative pursuits. And that's intimidating for other athletes who are very one-dimensional, who are afraid to express their creativity off the court because they're told, oh, that's sissy. That's weak stuff. Mm. Um, only allowing the heart-centered experience and expertise as athletes to be alive on the court. But then when they step off the court, they're like, oh, I got to be, I got to play this one-dimensional role that my community says I have to be to mean I'm alpha. Whereas people like Kobe, Kobe didn't care about that stuff. He's like, no, I mean, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to express myself. And so losing someone like Kobe on a large scale as a basketball player was uh, a piece of me died. Um, because that's a world that I was, I was blood, sweat, and tears for 20 years of my life. And he was such a huge ambassador to the game. Um, but then to see how so many people still wanted to stay in tribal mentality, that because Kobe didn't wear the right colors, I'm still going to hate on him posthumously. Oh, yeah. Well, no, everyone's forgetting about the whole rape trial and everything. I could talk about that, but I won't really go into it. Um, or he did this or he do this. 
But if Kobe had been a Utah Jazz player, all of a sudden the Mormons here would have been grieving and crying and wailing here in Utah. Mm. But because he wore the wrong team colors, people still stay in this tribal mentality, choosing to view him as a one-dimensional figure. And as a basketball player, former basketball player, that was really disheartening for me too. To say, oh my gosh, you really don't even care about us. We're just proxies for your rage. Mm. We're cardboard cutouts for so many people to, again, project their frustration and stay in this immediately satisfying tribal mentality that says my team's better than your team. Yeah. Well, Without any real self-reflection yeah. or insight. Go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say one thing for me, because obviously, uh, I, you know, when he was playing, you do see a largely one-dimensional side of him. And um, I, I, I liked him more and more <laughs> kind of when he's retired, when you start to, you know, when he gets yeah. the awards for filmmaking and then, and then you yeah. see him, because you obviously you know how one-dimensional intense he was in terms of his bars or to reach that level and just like, you know, that mentality yeah. to then see him um, make time for it, more time for his family, because I don't know the ins and outs when he was playing, but really getting into yeah. you know, coaching his daughters and doing all the, what is coming out, all the stuff he was doing with girls basketball and all the mm-hmm. other stuff. And I just, you know... Because to a really certain guy. yeah, and to a certain extent, you know, I like the mentality. And um, but you know, some people are very good at basketball, some people aren't so good. But it's the mentality I'm interested in as well. And he was, it was really showing, you know, post basketball, and you know, and you just feel you see yeah. that trajectory, how much good he was going to do. That was, that's what got me as well. Yeah. That's that's what's heartbreaking. Is again, is that you're able to you're able to because you're an advancing male and you're moving more heart space with all the work that you do, you're able to say, oh, wow, I see him more clearly now as he's emerging and he's allowing a lot more of his artistic pursuits to come. Good for him. That's really cool. Thank you for showing us men how to be more than just one-dimensional cardboard cutouts that we're asked to play on the movie screens. Just be this the alpha male, right? The false bravado, tough guy that we think we still have to be that doesn't really exist. And here's Kobe. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. And what really hurt too, as a father, and knowing how much the basketball lifestyle takes on families, it's brutal. Mm. And how much time he lost with his kids and how much, how he was trying to make up for that lost time with his daughter and to lose it with his daughter, it's heartbreaking with seeing people's response and people still judging him. What I hated, there was so much passive aggressive. While Kobe didn't always make the best choices, he, he died being a good father. And you're like, hey, asshole, that is a preface everyone could have on their obituary. 100%, yeah. No one made all the right choices. But what we do know, Kobe was trying to be a good father when he died. And that's admirable. Yeah. And that's good enough. And we can leave it there. And But that's part of the new alpha, Adam. We don't have to call people. Uh, I, I did say asshole. Um, we don't have to. We don't have to um, go into, again, the aggressive uh, screaming and raging. But you can have a boundary. That is alpha. Being able to say, hey, no, 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 that's not cool. What you're doing is really unfair. Um, and being able to have healthy boundaries and to communicate, because 
as you know, we men, we've swum, we, we have swung to extremes that the over, the over um, compensating alpha that is um, posturing or the nice guy. We've gone to either extreme and the nice <laughs> yeah. guy, I've done the nice guy. I, I'm as guilty as being a nice guy as anybody. The nice guy is actually the most um, dishonest person out there. Because the nice guy never tells you how he really feels. Yeah, it's a great he's point. hoping to manipulate you, hoping that um, that yeah, if I'm just nice enough along, then someone will give me what I want, and I can manipulate people to like me. Whereas a good guy um, is, all right, you know what? I'm going to say what I have to say. I'm going to say it respectfully, and um, I'm going to and I'm going to mean it. And if you mm. have a problem with it, and if it brings up your trigger. And if you want to choose to interpret me as being malicious, that wasn't my intention. Uh, but I'm going to be the same person in every room that I walk into. Yeah. I'm going to speak what I need to say. And I can do it with respect. That you can still speak bluntly and you can do it with compassion. Yeah. So I have a lot of things that I go through in the book to talk about what is a new alpha male. Mm. Uh, many things, but integrity is being the same person in every room that you walk into. I'm not saying you always have to be happy, the same person, the same role. I mean, this is who I am, and I will speak and say what I need to say, and I will treat people with respect. And people are like, that can't be real. I'm like, no, I will talk to my parents the same way I'll talk to a stranger, the same way I'll talk to a friend, but I will say what I mean to say. And I can say it with respect, and I can say it with clarity. And I don't need to be out there bullshitting people and giving them platitudes. That's not intimacy. Winning is intimacy. Being able to have mm. real, authentic friendships that aren't generic role plays or, or one-dimensional roles that we see in movies, but being able to say, you know, I respect you too much to not tell you how I'm seeing you. And just being able to be direct and clear and you said it with compassion too um and that's great and compassion doesn't make you vulnerable it doesn't make you weak it actually it gives you healthy boundaries compassion allows you to not internalize other people's fears or stories knowing it's not about you but you were able to set a healthy compassionate boundary and a new alpha at the end of the day, after I go through everything, as I know, we're, we've been talking for a while and I don't mm -hmm. want to go over time because we could talk for hours, you and yes. I. <laughs> um, a new alpha is someone who is brave enough to go through heartbreak. And that's what this life is, is heartbreak. And so many people are trying to inoculate themselves from heartbreak by reading the John Gottman books. I respect him so much. But they're trying to say, okay, what do the stats and data say? Just make sure I never have my heart broken again. When heartbreak is our greatest teacher. Mm. So it's ironic that people are out there trying to avoid heartbreak, which basically is saying, I don't want to have to grow. I want to be able to stay in my bubble. And the new alpha is someone that is able to be a beautiful human and feel multiple emotions at once which is what we are able to do. But we think, oh, if I'm happy, I can't be sad. Yeah, you can. You can be at both at the same time. And a new alpha is someone is able to hold heartbreak in one hand and say, wow, this really hurts. 
this loss, my loss of my marriage, my loss of my job, uh, my loss of my identity or the identity, identity I thought I had to have from the culture I grew up in. And at the same time, on the other hand, I can hold gratitude for all the lessons and clarity that heartbreak has given me. That's what a new alpha can do. And he can stay there in that space and hold it rather than lashing out, rather than throwing temper tantrums or blaming immigrants or blaming this uh, other things or saying, I want my coal mining jobs to come back. That's not how evolution works. We can't just tell evolution to stop and go back to the way it was. As a basketball player, when the ref starts calling the game differently in the third quarter versus what they were doing in the first half, I can't just sit and pout and throw a temper tantrum and say, no, that's not fair. You changed Many it. Many do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we lose. And that's how you lose the game. You have to be able to adapt. This doesn't mean be two-faced or manipulative, but being who you are, still playing the way you are, your fundamentals. I still played the way I played, no matter what the rest were calling, but I had to be aware of what things were different and how am I going to maneuver around them instead of throwing a temper tantrum and say, make America great again. That's not the way the world works. That I say, okay, it's changing. I like my, on you can't say I want an online access to everything, but then also, oh, but I still want walls around everywhere. I want a global experience, but I still want walls around to protect my boundaries. You can't have the best of both worlds. Mm. And being able to adapt and adjust, a new alpha male is someone who perseveres. The difference between perseverance and stubbornness. Stubbornness is the inability to adapt. Perseverance is the ability to adapt. And being able to help men to understand, you know what, okay. The inability to adapt, and you see a lot of coaches and CEOs saying, oh man, kids these days, new employees, they're weak, they're stopped because I can't verbally abuse them anymore. <laughs> because that's what I grew up with in the 80s and 90s. So it's now my turn to verbally abuse people in the workplace. Um, so everyone is soft. We know what's really soft. Again, the inability to adapt. It takes great courage. It takes great trust and vulnerability to adapt, to say, you know what, all right, the game's changing. I have to maneuver here. And so that's what so much of the book is about, is giving men coping skills and, again, helping women understand uh, these challenges men have that we weren't given a lot of coping skills, Adam. Hmm. We were taught as men, cowboy up. <laughs> pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? And just keep yeah. pushing your head against the wall until you get your trophies. And if you have to throw people under the bus to get your job promotion, do it. And it's like, no, I, I don't have to do that. I can treat people with respect. I can be transparent. I can let people around me know uh, what the deal is. The best bosses I've ever had, the best coaches I ever had, um, were those who were consistent in their character. They didn't have to be the nice guys. They weren't necessarily the nicest coaches, but the ones who were consistent every day that you knew what you were getting. Yeah. That allowed you to do your job. Saying, you know, I know that's what coach is. I know that's where he's at. 
I know I can now do my job the best I can. But you have so many coaches that change their personalities when the cameras are on versus who they are behind closed doors. Just like we see CEOs and people at work doing that. And all that tells you as an employee is that, wow, I'm not safe. That coach will change his personality for his own benefit at any time. So he'll probably throw me under the bus for his own safety and security. Yeah. And that's an outdated alpha. And what we have learned is like, you know what? No. I can be respectful of someone. I have worked with a company that was about to lay people off. And I said, you tell them now. And you tell them up front. You say, hey, you know what? We're going to be laying you off in six weeks. But if you can just work your hardest for us, and bust your butt and help us close out this, this program we're developing. We're going to make sure you land somewhere. We're going to do our best to help you transition somewhere else. And we're going to fight for you and make sure you have the best recommendations. And we're going to do our best to honor you. In the moment when someone hears that, it's going to hurt and it's going to stink. But they're going to be grateful that you respected them enough as a human being to tell them straight up and give them the dignity of knowing what's coming their way versus people. Oh, you know, I got to milk everything out of my employees. Then I can fire them. Yeah. Pull the rug from under them. And I want people to have real conversations um, brought up by the book. And that's what my keynote has been doing on a minor scale. But now the book allows me more on a mass scale to help people be brave enough to have these much needed conversations and so i'm trying to meet people halfway and i'm more than happy to skype in with groups uh and i'm also doing uh arrangements with corporations if they buy my book in bulk yeah i take a huge cut off my speaking fee because right now getting the word out is more important than me making money sure yeah. we all need to make money but i don't need to make a hand over fist i want to have these books and these messages actually really help people so yeah. I, i'm willing i'm doing my best to get the word out and anyone else supporting it getting the word out um i consider your family and i appreciate all that help greatly awesome i was gonna ask what has been the biggest challenge in getting that word out for this book in particular because you like you say you've done memoirs before you've had a few books out and You've got different publishers, so it's always a different challenge. What has been the biggest challenge up to this point? Well, the biggest challenge is always getting event planners to help them see through the smoke and mirrors of the marketing circuit that you know of the speaking circuit. That anyone, and I, and I attack this in the book too, uh, the, the illusions of social media. Mm. I get hit every day from marketers trying to sell me likes and sell me followers. I could very easily have a million followers right now, like a lot of other people do, but they're not real. Mm -hmm. And you and I watch the circuit. We watch it closely and we see a lot of these people that were around 50, 60,000 or a year ago, they had 115,000. I'm not going to name any names, but I watched them. And then suddenly within six months, they now have over a million followers. That's not natural and it's not real. But a lot of people are playing this game of fake it till you make it. And sadly or frustratingly, a lot of event planners haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm choosing to stay in integrity. And I, I, I allowed, I, 
in my research for the book, I said, before I'm going to be able to write this and say it assuredly, I have to explore this. I have to research this. And so I allowed one of them to bring me into an engagement pod group where it was just automated comments. And then suddenly I'm making comments on some pretty well-known names, but I wasn't making the comments. Yeah. But they were using my account to do so. And I was like, wow. And no, I could easily go into that game and play that game, but that's not a new alpha. A new alpha is someone that says, I don't have to play by those metrics, those illusions to determine for myself if I have worth or not, or if my message has worth or not. I can figure out a way to get my message through authentically, um, organically, if I stay true in my integrity. And so that has been the biggest challenge, the temptation, yeah. Adam, the temptation of saying, okay, I could get a million followers in a month if I wanted to, and then use it to uh, market myself and make myself look more important than I really am. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, I, and I'm aware you know. as well, and I'm sure we will keep talking, but we could talk all day. And so for our listeners, unfortunately, we're going to drop you out for now. Uh, yeah. But you can listen to Lance's original interview as well to get really like kind of the whole story because we've been digging just into, you know, the new alpha male today, which has been brilliant. But what is the best way they can connect you if they want to continue the conversation with you? Oh, yeah, please do continue the conversation with me. Uh, with, I, I, I love LinkedIn, um, but whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter, uh, connect with me and send me a note and just say, hey, saw you on Adam's podcast and I'll connect with you or follow you back because it's, it's amazing to me how people, oh, I got a show that I only have, I'm only following 50 people, again, to show I'm important. And I'm <laughs> like, you are missing out on a huge opportunity because that's just following people back creates a community that you want people to feel rewarded for just even engaging in your content. If you don't follow them back, eventually they're going to get, they're going to feel they don't have, you don't respect them. And so, no, it's important to me that people, if they want to continue the conversation, find me Lance already 41 on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter, and let's keep the conversation going. And I want these conversations to be had not just with me, but for people to take them out and start having real authentic conversations. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much, Lance. Thank you, Adam, always. Attention, authors, coaches, speakers. Make sure to join our Amplifying Your Mission community on Facebook. Thank you for your cooperation. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. System shutdown.